Hey y'all and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda and I've got a great story for you today. But I do want to take a moment to thank all of those who joined us for InfinityCon Tallahassee. We did our very first panel for Ain't No Such Thing. We had a lot of people there talking and sharing their experiences about the supernatural and the paranormal. And it was so exciting to, to see people be excited about it. And so I really want to welcome everybody that may be here because of that. We're very glad to have you. All right, now I want you to sit back and enjoy this original story, Turtle Soup. I think most of us have known a guy like Terry. He's not really a good guy, but not really a bad one either. Just a guy in the middle. Terry had a big temper, but a jovial manner, and you had to push him pretty far to get a rise out of him. He was the sort of man who kept his childhood petulance just beneath his skin. Things were too hard. Life was too unfair. He didn't get the luck when other men did. It wasn't true about the luck. Not always. But Terry had a way of making his own luck. He could talk his way into and out of most things, but never for very long. And it was always, always someone else's fault. Which is how he ended up stranded in the middle of southern Kentucky, in a town with no label on any map, that barely had indoor plumbing, and was hit or miss with the electric. Terry had a habit of finding himself stranded. He'd get his claws into one cheap vehicle after another, and they'd all be run into the ground. Usually, he was near enough to a friend or a friend's place, or one that could give him a couch for a few nights or a few weeks until he could get a new job and get back on his feet. This time, however, he was stuck firmly between this place and that, between jobs and cars, and detoured from the conveniences of the modern world. Cell phones were a thing, but not like they are now. They were like bricks back then, you see, just as strong and just as bulky. Most of us didn't have them. Terry sure as hell didn't. Even if he had, the middle of nowhere along the mountainsides of southern Kentucky ain't exactly the sort of place you're going to get a good signal, even now. If there ain't a stoplight within 60 miles of where you are, you might as well have fallen off the edge of the earth. Kentucky doesn't feel like a big state, but as Terry told it, it was big enough to house a whole lot of nothing. I always figured it would be a pretty place to visit. Forests and mountains call to me, but that sort of thing didn't interest Terry. He liked to watch TV and collect toys from old cartoons. Beyond that, Terry liked women and food. Everything else he did was a means to one of those ends. Now this story I'm about to tell you, it isn't one that he told often. I think I heard it twice in whole, but the pieces drifted out here and there. He only told it when he was really drunk, and Terry was a man who could hold a drink. He'd run his hands through his thick bleached hair, then toss back another drink for good measure before he'd turn to me and start talking. He had some pride in his family. They weren't special in the way that makes history books, but they did their duties and tended to their lives without too much fuss. Terry was the third of his line, though technically the fourth. The first junior had died in infancy, so his dad tried again with his next-born son. That second junior was Terry's grandpa, and it was his car that died in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Terry talked about his grandpa more often than he talked about his own dad. He'd been raised by the man. He was probably the only person Terry cared for more than he did himself. I almost said loved there, but Terry didn't really understand love. He dated, had some people who he called friends, 
but you never got the notion that Terry loved any of them. He was a gregarious extrovert who enjoyed being around people. He didn't love them. His grandpa was the closest he ever got. That's why I think it took him a while to move along and leave that car behind. If it had been my car he borrowed, he'd have abandoned it with a sorry man and a helpless shrug. He might have been used to disappointing most people, but not his grandpa. Terry pushed the car off to the side of the road and started out on his feet. He griped about this bit, not just for the walking, but for needing to do it at an incline. He had some muscle buried deep. He was solid enough with that Viking build of his, but he was used to ground level. You'd think by the way he bitched and moaned about the walk that he'd trekked for hours before finding another soul. But even he admitted it was no more than a mile before he saw a small fire burning in the distance. He approached the fire, calling out to the couple that was seated by it. They waved, said a howdy, no more surprised to see another person than they were to see the stars come out at night. From what came later, I guess they were the sort that just weren't surprised by much. His name was Bill, or maybe Will. It was a simple name for a simple man. As far as Terry could tell, he didn't have a job he had to get to. He just lived on the land his family had owned for generations, coming and going as he pleased and banging things back together as they fell apart. His wife was Linda, and she was always at his side. Terry didn't say much about how they looked. I don't think they were bumpkins exactly, but their clothes were all stitched at home, made from older clothes and other things that were kept in heaps around the house. The house was wooden, with plenty of bits that had been replaced through the years. It looked solid enough. Terry said with hesitance, like when you know things hadn't been put together quite right, but they'll probably still hold. They invited him to sit by the fire and grab a plate. Terry never turned down a meal, particularly when it was free. So he sat himself down and helped himself to some grub while he filled the couple in on his little sob story. I asked him once what they were eating, and he reckoned it was squirrel. It tasted like chicken you got on farms, he said, not the ones from the store. It had that fuller taste that came with the natural fats. He'd eaten squirrel before, and his grandpa took him hunting, so I suspect that he knew what he was talking about. Terry, as I mentioned, was a gifted conversationalist. He could make new friends in five minutes flat. Linda and Will were no exception. The problem was that the nearest auto shop was some 60 miles away. They could get him there. They had a car of their own but he'd need cash in hand to get someone to tow his car. Terry had less than 20 bucks in his wallet. The couple had a house phone, the kind with a rotary dial, and they let Terry use it. His plan was same as it always was, to get some friends from here and there to send him a little cash. Usually they paid for the convenience of a quick wire from one place to the next, but there weren't any of those sort of services out in the middle of nowhere. There weren't even any of the big box stores. He'd have to do it the old fashioned way. He'd have to have it mailed. Terry's luck waxed and waned as it did. He'd have to wait for his cash, sure, but he'd already talked himself into a place to stay. Will and Linda were willing to take him on as a boarder in exchange for a little work around the house. Terry had the minor trade skills of a man who'd followed his grandpa around in the hot afternoons of summer, which turned out to be just enough. Terry got on well with Will and Linda. They just tended to one task after another around the house, a garden, that sort of thing, until they lit the evening fire and chatted over a nice evening meal. Will was a hunter, but he didn't have a gun. What he did have was an old wide four-door, and that's what he used to hunt for their meals. 
out on those old country roads where few cars travel, the local animals hadn't learned to avoid the paths most traveled by man. So, Will had honed the art of mowing those little buggers down. Sometimes it was a squirrel, occasionally a snake. Most often, though, at least while Terry was there, it was turtle. Turtle soup was Linda's specialty dish. She seasoned it up and served it right in the shell. During breeding season, Will could usually count on hitting at least one a night. It kept their bellies full. After a week, Will let Terry take the car and showed him how to hunt, when to speed it up, and when to turn the wheel for that perfect strike that knocked them to their deaths without obliterating their shells. Terry laughed as he told me about the hunts. It was the kind of laugh that made my stomach twist. I'm not a vegetarian. Far from it. I've gone hunting for larger, smarter animals in my time, and like Terry and Will, it was always something I planned to eat. I never laughed when I kill something, though. For Terry, it was food, but more than food, and hunting, but more than hunting. It was a little bit of power he didn't have anywhere else. Little by little, the cash started coming in. Five bucks from Michigan, another ten from Florida. Will's brother, Chance, came out to crash with them for a few days. He and Terry didn't get along, so Terry stayed clear of the house while he was there. Terry, for all his problems, had stayed clear of drugs. He could spot a user at a glance and mark Chance as one of the worst sort. He came off a bit of a meth head, though Terry didn't think that was his drug of choice. Instead, he imagined it was some country cocktail that wasn't shipped across borders. It was a drug that made him wide-eyed and twitchy, constantly wetting his lips and jerking his hands up toward the sky. He had a mouth on him, too. Plenty of it was directed toward Linda, and most of it perverse. I couldn't tell if the depravity of his language bothered Terry, or if it was just that it was directed toward Linda. Terry, as I said, liked Linda well enough, but there was more to it than that. Terry was never shy about telling you if a woman was even a bit attractive, but he never said a word about Linda's appearance. What that told me was that Linda was dog ugly. For whatever reason, being lewd to an ugly woman bothered Terry more than if she'd been hot. Maybe because he himself was an ugly man, and he didn't care to be taunted. Terry counted his bills and made more phone calls. The cash kept trickling in. He got the car towed then scraped together the money to have the mechanic take a dig at it. The bad news rolled back in. The entire transmission was shot. Getting the hell out of nowhere was going to cost him a lot more money. Terry stayed with Will and Linda through the summer and into the fall. Times were mostly good. He had food in his belly and a plan to get out. Apparently, not having a TV was the worst of it. Terry complained about that more than what came later. He was not a happy man without his Saturday morning cartoons. When it grew colder, the meals became fewer. Will had some meat saved in his freezer, but with Terry's appetite, it wasn't going to last all winter. It didn't look like Terry would have the money to get the car's repair started until the spring at earliest. Will and Terry doubled their hunts. They would take turns heading up and down the winding roads of nowhere. For squirrels and turtles, you hunted in daylight. For snakes and frogs, dusk. Possums and raccoons, they came out at night. Terry was out on a night hunt. Turtle soup was a thing of the spring and summer. If you wanted to eat when it was cold, you piled up some smelly trash in the road and waited. Terry could see a raccoon sneaking toward the pile, 
when a whoop and a holler sent it scurrying off into the bushes. Chance wandered down the road, laughing and shouting as high as a kite. Catching sight of Terry behind the wheel, Chance threw up his middle finger with one hand and grabbed his groin with the other. This is where things went sideways, and got weird. Terry slammed his foot against the pedal and drove right into Chance. Launched that skinny bastard straight into a tree. Terry got out of the car to have to look and see if the old boy was still alive. He wasn't, of course. His whole stomach was flattened out like a pizza, and his head lolled to the side. You really killed him? I'd asked. I hit him, Terry replied between sips of whiskey, and he died. That was all the responsibility a man like Terry would ever take for such an act. It was a hit, but without the run because Terry just stood there in the car's headlights looking at the other man's body. He must have stood there for a long time because after a bit, Will and Linda walked down the road looking for Terry. That's when the panic really hit him, he said. This was Will's brother, after all. As the couple approached, Terry got his story straight. He started to spit it out in fits and bursts. Of course, he couldn't hide that he killed a man, but he could play it like an accident. Will and Linda, always muted, listened, but didn't comment. They told Terry to help load up Chance into the back of the car and take him back to their place. The three of them squeezed into the front seat. Terry drove them all back. Terry crashed on the couch, like he always did. The next day, the couple didn't say anything to him about Chance. Instead, Linda brought out a shell filled with seasoned meat. Turtle soup, she told him, and they all ate quietly together. The next morning, Terry took their car and skipped town. And that's the story of how my buddy tried turtle soup. It might sound like an exaggeration, and maybe it is. But I've been to Terry's house. I've seen the old car with the bent front fender rusting on blocks in his backyard. He's an alright guy. Reliable enough. If he's not your friend, he's the friend of a friend and you'll probably see him the next time you're in town. Most of us have known a guy like Terry. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, Turtle Soup, written by Erica Heflin, narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you enjoyed this story and you want to hear more of Ain't No Such Thing, well, you need to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And also, we'd love it if you would join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Ain't No Such Thing. We talk a lot of horror there, and we're going to be doing some polls on future episodes. So get in there and give us your opinion on what you want to hear. Last but not least, we are also on Patreon. We have some exclusive content there, including movie reviews and some old stories that I'm recording for you. I'll also be releasing some of our very first episodes in a remastered format. Thanks again, y'all, from all of us, and I'm going to be back with another one for you real soon.